For those of you who don't know me, my name is Manny Taos, and I get to be uh, the lead pastor here at Epiphany Station. And we get to have today uh, the third conversation in a series of conversations from the MOVE teaching series. Now, MOVE is built on the belief that we have that we were not supposed to spend our entire lives just revving our engine and going nowhere. We're not supposed to just be getting to that point of maybe we'll move, maybe something will happen, but it never actually being triggered. So what we're going to talk about today is what it means to move, because I believe that God made you to move. He didn't put you on this earth so you could just go about your life not knowing your purpose and not knowing why you exist. He made you to move. He didn't bring you here so that he could set you on a path that would just be full of the status quo and nothing ever changing. He made you to move. And he did not want to set us into life that we would just consistently be repeating the same old thing over and over, no matter how bad it was for us. He made us to move. In the first week of this teaching series, we stepped off in what it means to start a relationship with God. And last week, Pete led us in an amazing conversation about what it means to actually then act on that, to follow. And what comes next, what comes next in moving in our spiritual journey is what you don't want to come next. What comes next is gonna demand something of you that you don't wanna give, but you're going to do it one way or the other. You're going to, for better or for worse, do this next thing, and it's either gonna move you forward or it's gonna move you backward because any more movement in our spiritual journey is gonna be based on change. And it's gonna be based on change in you. And now when we talk about change and conversations about change, we have to understand what it is that we're talking about. We're not talking about your environment, your circumstances, or other people. Today we're talking about you. We're talking about your character. We're talking about your personality. We're talking about the way that you think, eat, sleep, and breathe, the way that you do life, and how God actually wants to change that. This can be one of the hardest moves to make in our spiritual journey because this is the point where something is really asked, something dramatic is asked of us to make sure that we're actually going to keep moving. We can say that we believe, we can say that we're going to continue to follow, but when it comes to that point of will you change or not, for some people it's too big a hurdle to climb over because changing you, that can be threatening. That can be genuinely threatening. People have maybe just experiences of change just being bad, going from bad to worse. For others, change can just mean a history, a pattern that they've experienced of trying really hard and then it not happening, futile efforts falling flat on their face. And for a lot of us, when it comes to change, we have many, 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 many ways that we know that other people need to change. But we rarely take the time to consider, what about me? What is there that needs to change in my life if I say I'm going to do this thing like loving God and loving people? Now, as we talk about change and a change in you, there's something we need to clarify kind of right off the bat. And that is there's two very false ideas we can have about change when it comes to especially our spiritual journey, our relationship with God. The first one is, I need to change so God will love me. If I change, God will love me, God will forgive me, God will accept me. The other, on the other end of the spectrum is if God really loves me, he won't ask me to change. Both of these things are completely wrong. Both of these things don't take into account the type of God that we have. He doesn't love you any more or less because of what you do. And he loves you so much that he would not be willing to allow you to keep living a life that's going to bring you hurt, pain, and separation from him. Like, honestly, just when it comes to a relationship with God, I think we get this idea that, well, he's just trying to manipulate us and just trying to gear us and direct us to what he wants. In no other sphere of human influence 
Would we accept and call it love for us to allow a loved one to keep hurting themselves? That's no good parent. That's no good friend. No good spouse. No good partner would allow that to happen. So like a good father, God seeks to at some point point us in the right direction and say, this is actually the way. This is the way I want to see you move. The way I want to see you change. And as he does that, we have to wrestle. We, we let him. Do we want it? Will we accept it? And the wrestling that happens is a fight going on within you. It is a fight not of your behavior. It's not the mask you wear. It's not the facade you put forward. It's a wrestle and a fight for your nature. A change in your nature. A, a complete to the core central piece of you becoming a different you. And that's what makes it so difficult. We can talk behavior modification all day long, but it won't make a difference. What we're talking about is changing what comes natural to you, changing your tendencies, changing your proclivities, changing what makes you you. And the reason we struggle to do that so much is because I think we just downright fear change. We fear what it could be, how it could be different, how it could be scary. And therefore, we live just instead stuck. That's the only way I've seen marriage done. So that's how I'm going to do marriage. That's how I saw parenting. That's how I'm going to parent. That's how I saw money. This is how I'm going to do money. No matter how much it sucks. It's just what we knew. So it's what we do. In 1539, an Irishman by the name of Taverner coined the phrase, better the devil you know than the one you don't. Better the devil you know than the one you don't. The phrase simply means it's better to put up with something that's kind of crappy because if you don't put up with that, the next thing could be worse. And I'm not seeing this kind of like daubed on people's living room walls in beautiful calligraphy like it's their family motto, but I actually think a lot of us live this. I think we live a lot of our lives stuck in the, well, you know, better the devil I know. Better just to put up with what I'm currently experiencing in life and in marriage and in finances and in work because... I don't know what that could be. And we will live our entire lives with the devil we know, even when the devil we know is ruining our lives. And so living out this pattern of destruction over and over again, all the while, God's seeking to make it clear that we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that anymore, that we can live a completely different kind of life. Our conversation today comes from a conversation that happened some 2,000 years ago between a church planter and pastor by the name of Paul who sought to educate and help the the early church understand what this this fight, this battle, this war was all about, how it was going on, this this fight between the devil that you know and this new nature, this new way of doing life as we seek to love God and love people, as we turn over control of our lives to God. The terminology he uses is a, a sinful nature, the natural piece of you, And God's nature, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that can lead you otherwise. And he wrote this letter to a group of people in the Galatians area to try and help them understand. And he said, look, the sinful nature, this piece of you over here, it wants to do what is evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives those desires that are opposite to what sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Here is what Paul thinks he knows about you. What he thinks he knows about you is there is a constant fight and turmoil within you, even when you know what you want to do, 
Even when you know what is good and what is right and what would be best, there's something fighting within you say, ah, no, screw that. Let's do the worst thing. Let's do the thing that'll make them cry. Let's do the thing that'll be selfish. Let's do the thing that won't help. And there's this fight that's going on in you so much, you aren't free. You aren't free to make your own decisions. You aren't free to do what you would rather do. I don't know if you've ever had like an argument with your spouse or maybe just didn't do the best job of parenting with your kid and you're afterwards, what was wrong with me? What was that all about? Real mature, buddy. I've never had that problem. But some of you might have had that problem where you didn't do it perfectly the first time. Tell me about it sometime. It must be weird. Um, Paul says there's these two natures. One is going to go about and through your life seeking to drive you towards hate. Simply to drive you towards selfishness. The other one really wants you to know how to love. Wants to steer you towards love. One of them is going to destroy everything around you. The other one is going to renovate and rejuvenate everything out of you. One of them is God's way. And one of them is yours. And then he goes into, you can do you. But let me tell you how doing you is going to look. And he goes on, he says, look, if you want to follow the sinful nature, here's what the results will be. They'll be very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And let me tell you again, like I've already told you, anyone who chooses that kind of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. As you walked in this morning... There was, there was a test to see if you could pass it. As you walked in this morning, somebody tried to give you something that resembled this. If you got one of these cards, I want you to hold it up for me. Did everyone get one of these? If you didn't get one of these cards, you can go grab one from the back, or as we talk about later, there are some laying down here at the front. I want you to grab this if you have it, and grab a pen that you're given to. If you're at home watching online, like, grab some weed killer and just go into your yard. You can paint there. Um, yeah, you can grab one, Ted, if you want. What I want you to write on here, if there's anything that we just listed, that Paul listed, that you're like, yeah, that's a piece of me that I wish wasn't a piece of me, I want you to write it down. If there was something from that list that you're like, that gets a little bit too much play in my life, and I wish it didn't, I want you just to jot it down for me, and I'll tell you why in a second. So could it be drunkenness? Could it be idolatry? Sexual impurity, immorality, lust? Could it be outbursts of anger, envy, jealousy, dissension, hostility? Let's be honest, it's one of these things. If it's not one of these things, you're better than me. I've got nothing to teach you today. But I want you to write it down because it's important when we talk about change that we understand about what our thing is, what we could possibly be talking about changing. Because I don't know what you believe. I don't know why you're here today. I don't know what you believe about God, and I don't know what you believe God believes about you. But if he just listed off something that is constantly a struggle and a trial and a strife for you, something you wage war against, maybe he knows what he's talking about. Maybe, in fact, he knows you better than you know you. Maybe when he says, hey, you know how you're not free to do what you know you should do? Maybe he knows exactly what he's talking about. And maybe as you go through your days, weeks, and decades, you start to understand, I end up living this sort of life even when I don't want to live this sort of life. Because that sort of life is the one that chooses to cave consistently, to make concessions to that kind of life. 
You know it's not the best. None of us are sitting here and looking at that list and like, yeah, that would be my best buddy right there. No one's doing that. But also nothing's stopping you from doing that. Nothing's stopping you living that life. And in fact, you're living in a culture now that will more readily accept that kind of life than ever before. These are accepted now just as things that humans do. We can't be holding ourselves back. Let's just go and do whatever we feel like doing. Nothing's stopping you. All God seeks to help you understand is there is a definite result of leading that kind of life. A single and solitary result which will be not inheriting the kingdom of God. Meaning, in this life you will not be bound toward loving God and loving people. And you will end your life the way that you lived your life. Separated from God. Now in the same breath in Paul's conversation with the Galatians, he then says, there is another option. There is another option which has a completely different result to it. And you're only ever going to want this completely different result to it. Is if you looked on that first list and said, nope, I don't want that. Or maybe you've been living that life and like, that ain't working for what I want it to do. And God offers you a change in your nature. To be led by something completely different than the ugly side of you. Paul goes on to talk about this different leading, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit can produce within you this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against any of these things. Now, just as you grab the other card the first time, this time I want you to grab this one, the spiritual journey guide. And what we're doing is as we walk through this series is we're using these every week to be able to have a same vocabulary about what it means to move in our spiritual journey. And today we're really looking at the experiencing new life on the right-hand side. What I want you to do is, just as you did with the first card, I want you to pick one, two, three, or nine of the things I just listed and to write them up here above the experiencing new life. What would you like to see? What would you desire to be a hallmark, a trademark of your life, of your character in your home? What do you want to see that God says he can do? Is it love? You want to see joy? You want to see peace? Patience? You want to see kindness, gentleness, self-control, goodness, faithfulness? What is it that you want to see? And write that one down. Because all God has ever tried to do in your life is to tell you the options. And he says, here are all of your options. There are two of them. One of them is the way that you want to do it, and you can go ahead and do that and see how that plays out. The other way is how I've designed you to do it, how I've designed you to live differently. You can live a life that is more full of life. You can live a life that is more about love and is more about mercy and is more about giving and more about serving. There's more enjoyment in it and there's more reward in it because this way of life says goodbye to the devil that you know. It walks you away from the sinful nature. God offers for you to have a different way of life. And at the same time that he's leading you into a new life, he offers to murder the old one. He offers to literally do away with and put down the ugly parts of you that shouldn't be parts of you. Because change is just that. It's out with the old and it's in with the new. If you wrote anything down, I want you to grab those two bits now. I want you to grab the card, and I want you to grab the spiritual journey guide, and I want you to think in your head, which of these do I want? Because those are the options you have in front of you when it comes to the changes in your life. One of these two things is going to live, and one of them is going to die. 
One of them is going to grow and one of them is going to diminish. And you get the opportunity to choose which. God offers you the opportunity to choose which. Do I want to see these pieces of me leading me when I don't want to be led by them? Or do I want to see the things that I know that are good become part of my life? When Paul wraps up his conversation with the Galatians, he simply says this. Look, for those of you who would be willing to turn over for control of your life, to put trust in God, here is what we get to do. Here's what we can choose to do. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. We get to live lives intentionally, putting down, putting to death the bits that don't belong, crucifying them, nailing them, making sure that they are no longer parts of us, no longer acceptable, no longer the new norm and the devil we know, no longer anything we would put up with. Instead, intentionally choosing on the daily to being led by God in every part of your life so that he can renovate all throughout you and change the world through you. There's a man by the name of uh, Ezra Taft Benson, most American name I've ever heard in my life. Ezra Taft Benson was an American farmer and a politician and the 15th Secretary of Agriculture. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> Ezra Taft Benson said, the Lord works from the inside out. The world tries to work from the outside in. The world will try and take people out of slums. Jesus Christ takes the slums out of people. The world will try and just change a person's environment for their better. Jesus Christ tries to make a person, seeks to, makes a person better that can then improve their environment. The world wants to shape your behavior. Jesus Christ can change your nature. That's how Christ works. That's how God wants to work. That's how we can choose to let him work. That is how we can turn over control and trust, knowing that he's only ever going to move us to what is best. And forever and ever and ever, you will be faced with that question, what will I do? What will my choice be when I'm faced with an obvious choice between my way and his way? What will I do every single morning? What will I do when my kid mouths off? What will I do when I'm arguing with my wife? What will I do? Will I nail them? Will I take those things that are revving up inside of me and will I put them to death on the daily? Will I take the lustful thoughts and behaviors? Will I take the outbursts of anger? Will I take the idolatry? Will I take the envy, the jealous, the bitterness? Will I choose to kill them? Because if you will and you could and you would, you get to move. You get to move to a new place in your spiritual journey. You get to move to a completely new life. A new life that is changed day after day as you turn control over from your life to him. Now for some of you this morning, this feels like a, yet another step in your spiritual journey. Maybe there's a peace. Maybe there's lots of pieces, but maybe there's a peace a new piece of you God is talking to you about today. Maybe it's an old piece that he's been wanting to get rid of for a while. For some of you, this might feel like a first. This might feel like the first time this kind of hit. This is the first time this has kind of resonated, that this could actually be a thing that happens. This might be the first time that you're considering turning your control of your life over to God. Whatever camp you are in, if you are yet to fully trust God with all of you, I want to get your direction back over and attention to the spiritual journey guide. It's why we put it in your hands today. On the back of this 
is what it really means to put our trust in Jesus. To, to trust that God actually knows what is best and that he will do it. And on the right-hand side, if you feel so led, there's some direction there of how you can start a relationship with him with a conversation between you and he. And if you feel like moving in your spiritual journey today, there's nothing we would rather do than move with you. Because this is what God offers. God offers to move you. He offers to change you. He offers to let you nail these things to death. He offers to lead you so that you can be led by his spirit. You could wake up tomorrow loving God and loving people like never before if you let the Spirit lead. And letting the Spirit lead looks like remembering who God is and trusting in what he says. Letting the Spirit lead looks like reading the book that he inspired so that we would know what it looks like to grow in Christ-likeness. Letting the Spirit lead means listening to God, not just talking at him. And it means talking to people who also have that same spirit within them that want to guide you on that path. These are the options he lays in front of you to move you. This is how he wants to move you today. As we wrap up our conversation and as we wrap up our worship experience, I want to invite you to do something a little bit different today. I want to invite you to do something a little bit weird because, hey, it's Sunday. I want to give you the opportunity to take a physical action, a physical response towards a decision that you might want to make this morning, the decision to nail your sinful nature down, to put it to death and instead be led by the Spirit. You have the desire, the inclination, or you don't this morning. That's what you bring to the table. What God brings is the power to get it done. And what I've got to offer you is hammer, nails, and a piece of lumber. And as the music team comes up and leads us in a couple of songs of worship, I want to invite you to write on that card those areas of your life or those pieces that God needs to get rid of and to bring that with you up front and nail it. Maybe not nail it as much as the first guy nailed it when he came up in the first experience because I think he's put that piece of lumber into the stage, but he nailed it. To bring it with you and just to take a symbolic opportunity to say, this is it now, this is what I'm going to do. This is what life is going to mean to me. And then what we're also going to do is invite you to take communion with us. As you come up, communion can be found on the corners of the stage. Communion is is bread, and there's a gluten-free option for the bread, and there's non-alcoholic juice. And we take communion to remember God. We take it to remember the best example of his love, which is complete, innocent sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's the level of love for you. So we come and we nail the sinful desires. We take up and remember the love of God. And you can take that down the sides and take a seat whenever you wish, and take it whenever you wish. But I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you the rest of this morning, and I want to challenge you as you maybe come up and and nail down your card, and maybe take communion, and maybe take it back, and maybe sing songs, and maybe leave today, and maybe drive home, and maybe go out to lunch, and maybe live the rest of your life. I want to challenge you not to shut off. I want to challenge you not to slip back into the new normal. I want to challenge you not to embrace the devil you know, but to know that God desires more than anything to move you into a brand new life. After communion and during the last worship song, we'll have our prayer team be up front here and they'll be here after the worship experiences. They would love to hear about any move you want to make in your spiritual journey. They'd love to pray with you. And right now, if you're a praying kind of person, you can pray with me. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you that you love us enough not to leave us where you find us that we can live our years and our our decades 
in completely the wrong direction and that you don't see that as just punishment. You see that as an opportunity to redeem it. So God, we ask that we would be open to your that we would not see and, and be so manipulated by our fear of our thought, fear to let you lead. God, I ask you to help us understand those pieces of us that don't belong in us and we'd be ready to put those down and hammer them today. We wouldn't let them continue to be. We wouldn't let the cycle continue. That we would instead choose to wake up tomorrow morning and be led by you and then every day afterwards to be led by you. God, we want what is best for us and we want to be used by you to show the world who you are. So help us do that in Jesus' name. Amen.